Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right, my friends. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk, which, by the way, loves and promotes freedom locally, regionally, nationally, internationally. And we stand with the people of Cuba who are out there protesting communism, which apparently is a hard thing to do. If you're a current leader in the Democrat Party standing with the people of Cuba, we're going to talk about that today. By the way, people anywhere around the world who are trying to fight for, secure, demand their own liberty, it is an honor to uh, to stand with them and to, well, I mean— this isn't complicated, you know. It just it really is. An email, by the way, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Streaming on social media so long as the commies there <laughs> allow us to do so. Um and of course um on the uh on the website as well, ToddHuffShow.com. So I want to talk about Cuba. I want to talk about freedom. I want to talk about the role of government. Did you know the New York Times? This is I'm not making this up. I want to read you this. New York Times. This was a, a piece that came out. Da, 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 let's see, two days ago, July 11th, so Sunday. People in Cuba took to the streets to protest the country's economic crisis and the government's response. It says to the coronavirus pandemic, which of course is not what this is about. This is not about. The government um, not doing a good enough job managing the coronavirus pandemic. This is about people wanting their God-given freedom. But if you read the very first sentence in this stupid thing, in this stupid article at the New York Times, written by Francis Robles, I guess, um... It says, it says that freedom is an anti, (laughs) I just, it is unbelievable. Freedom is an anti-government slogan. Freedom is an anti-government slogan. Freedom, my friends, is what this government in the United States, dare I say the greatest nation on the face of planet Earth, Freedom is what this government was founded and built upon. Freedom is what every government should be built uh, built upon, founded upon. And let me say this. A lot of people talk, like the New York people of the New York Times, they they write, they say stupid stuff like this, and they they just act as though Establishing one's own 
government, establishing one's government is like picking the baseball team, a favorite, a favorite baseball team. So you pick whatever you like, maybe like picking a favorite color, but that's not, that's not what picture, excuse me, picking, picking a government is like. See, government should be rooted. Government should be rooted in reflecting, reflecting the way that we are created to live this side, uh, this side of heaven. And that is unfortunately, that is unfortunately not the way that it works today. It just simply isn't um, around the world. It does, it does here. But the Democrats act as though the media acts as though the radical left. That's that's the most Democrat leaders. I'm going to talk about rank and file Democrats. You know what I think about that. Rank and file Democrats are they're not anti freedom. The people that you meet on the streets, unless you're in places like San Francisco or Portland, Oregon, or Seattle or somewhere like that, the people you meet walking down the streets in your local communities are are not the vast majority of them are not rabid anti-freedom people. They're not really even pro-Democrat in a lot of areas. They are oftentimes single-issue voters. They are people who uh, are willing to sacrifice every other conviction, political belief, ideological belief, worldview that they have for one particular issue. For Union Democrats, it's often uh, for support of what they deem support of the Union, protecting the little guy from big business and so forth for people who are pro-choice um, that trumps everything they might be pro second amendment uh, they might be pro freedom of speech they might not even themselves want to you know think that anyone should ever actually choose to have an abortion but they don't want to take away that choice from someone else and they're willing to sacrifice all of that to vote with the democrat uh, vote for the democrat in power who oftentimes, of course, the person that is nominated in the Democrat Party for the particular office, uh, for the particular election at hand, is is a radical leftist. And if they're not radical leftists, they're voting for leadership and an agenda that is radically leftist. So this is uh, this sort of language. This sort of mindset that says, and I'm reading here from the New York Times article again, Francis Robles, Sunday, writing about um, what's happening in Cuba, who said that part of this protest was government's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and it's one of the largest demonstrations in decades. First line of this stupid article says Miami, which of course is where um, the people in Miami, a lot of folks are have, have Cuban heritage. A lot of folks in at least certain neighborhoods of Miami, um, some of those folks came to the United States fleeing or they have relatives that have fled the atrocities that have been committed under the banner of love and peace and hope and harmony and utopia by these radical dictator murderous thugs in Cuba. And so they know firsthand or at least secondhand through people that have fled that, family members and so forth, they know what is going on in Cuba. 
But the first line of this stupid article says shouting freedom and other anti-government slogans. Thousands of Cubans took to the streets in cities around the country on Sunday to protest food and medicine shortages and a remarkable eruption of discontent not seen in nearly 30 years. This is what communism leads to. This is inevitable in communism. And I'll tell you why, and I've told you on here in the past, and you know this, but the reason that this happens this way is because communism communism tramples on the soul and the uh, what the, the hope of the human heart. That's what that's what communism does. It tramples it out because folks, it says whatever your dreams are, whatever your ambitions, whatever you hope to achieve in life, they no longer belong to you. Instead, they belong to the collective whole. They belong to the nation that you are living in for the greater good, the greater cause. Look, and I'm not, as, as a person that believes in freedom and liberty, as a Christian conservative, I'm not against unity, but I'm against forced unity under the banner and under the guise of some sort of utopian nonsensical drivel, which is completely incompatible. The, the ideology of communism is completely 100% incompatible with what we know with what we know about biblical teaching. It just is. God created man to be free. God is God, not government. I could go on and on about this, but this is this ideology cannot stand because it tramples upon the dreams and the, the hopes of people under the heavy burdens of communism. It tramples on those. It beats those out of people. It doesn't allow people to make their own choices. It puts the burden of providing for everyone upon the group. And there begins over a course of time the realization that why should I bust my backside to provide, to produce, when I get the same when there's no incentive where I can't take the things that I've created and, you know, have the freedom and the the prosperity that, that might come along with that in a place like America. Why? So there's less productivity, and there's actually so much less productivity that eventually there's not enough to take care of the people that communism promises to take care of and so that's why places like the soviet union the evil empire that's why they had to be imperialistic and take up i was just talking with a friend about this the other day we were uh, he had served in um in germany during the cold war and i don't even know what younger people know about the cold war today that's not a reference to the temperature that was the reference to the type of war that it was it wasn't so much a hot war where bullets were flying through the air, so to speak. It was strategic. It was, uh, you know, there were constant, not always constant, but at times constant negotiations and talks, and there were tensions. There was a Cuban Missile Crisis. There were nuclear, there was nuclear proliferation, arms race, Star Wars, on and on this stuff goes. But there was also, there was also a period of time 
of Soviet expansionism. You know, the reason we were uh, on, believe it or not, um, as crazy as it seems in a post 9-11 world, but at one time we were helping the likes of Osama bin Laden uh, and the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, the Afghanis fight against Soviet expansionism. Because exactly what we're talking about here, Soviet, excuse me, communism and Soviet expansionism, uh, expansion combine. It's just the way that it works because eventually, eventually you've beaten, you've beaten the soul out of people so much that they no longer are even productive. There's no penalty for not being productive. It's much like it's much like the uh, labor shortage here. Obviously, this is just one little sliver. I'm not saying that the labor shortage is communistic. Don't misunderstand. But what I am saying is that when you give individuals, when you give individuals an incentive not to work, when that's what you do, um, the incentive will be to not work, or that people will choose not not to work. And so, there's a labor shortage. That's at least in part, and I would maintain large part, in response to that, or in that that's a consequence of, of what we've been doing with, with unemployment here. Likewise, when the hand of the government is so heavy upon the lives of people, they're not allowed to be themselves, they're not allowed to worship as they choose, they're not allowed to speak as they choose, they're not allowed uh, to assemble and protest their government. Doing this, by the way, is risky. This isn't like attending um, one of the Black Lives Matter rallies um, in the United States or some such thing. This there's legitimate fear. <clears throat> in fact, in fact, the president, Presidente of Cuba, um, has as you know called upon his revolutionaries. I've got that somewhere called upon his revolutionaries, what he calls revolutionaries, to get out there and, you know, make sure that they, you know, shut these people up. And I think even, I mean, of course, there's consequences for this. Some of these folks are going to be arrested. Some of these folks, God forbid, may vanish from the place of uh, the face of the earth. It's sad. It's disgusting. It's despicable. And the Biden administration is out there saying we don't even necessarily know that this isn't because of Lack of uh, access to vaccines. You're stinking kidding me. It's like they're completely oblivious. Completely oblivious. The New York Times thinks freedom is just an anti-government slogan. Just let that sink in. Freedom is an anti-government slogan. If we have media in this country who make that statement that freedom is an anti-government slogan in places like Cuba, where freedom is not is not accepted, the government does not accept it. Whether a government accepts humanity's freedom or not, it doesn't mean that it's not a real thing. We are created to be free. That's what our founding documents say. Our founding documents say that we're all created with this freedom. It comes from God, we have certain unalienable rights, and then among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those That is not reality for the Cuban people. That's why they jump on makeshift rafts, risk their lives. People have died doing this, traveling 90 miles from Cuba, 
100 miles, whatever it is, to, to southern Florida to hope to land, to get their feet upon U.S. soil, to es- escape their lives, the, the, the wretched existence that they have under, under the brutal dictators that have reigned in Cuba since, the 19, since 1959. And if you remember, if you go back, I encourage you to go back, and many of you already know this, but look at what these, what these revolutionaries, these so-called revolutionaries were saying back in the 50s, and compare that to what our so-called leftist, radical leftist revolutionaries are saying today. The promises they make, the claims that they make, they all fall short of reality. They've had, what is it, since the 60s, so 60 years roughly, a little over 60 years of communism in Cuba, and they don't have any of the promises fulfilled, none of them. Now, Bernie thinks they have because they have access to universal health care and universal education. People apparently disagree with Bernie's assessment because they've lived it. They know what it's like. They just don't read the headlines. They've experienced what those headlines really mean. Right? That's what's, that's what's happening here. And they've had enough, and they're taking to the streets to protest. They're not out there protesting lack to the vaccine. Are you stinking kidding me? Absolutely insane that we're having this discussion. Anyway, there's a lot more to say about this. But when you realize that this nation, this nation and other places around the world that actually respect freedom to whatever degree it is, when you realize that it is an idea, it is simply an idea, a mindset, a worldview that makes that freedom possible. Now, the freedom is there. I don't want you to misunderstand me. We have the God-given right to freedom. But we also have to contend with jokers and dictators and thugs and lovers of big government who will stand between us and freedom at every chance that they get. And when you realize the only thing, the only thing keeping those jokers, those thugs and dictators out of control of our lives is the willingness of the people to accept the idea and to reject people that want to control their lives. It's just a mindset. That's all it is. It can be written down on paper. They don't care. They don't care about that. But if you can convince people that the system is broken, that we need to have a new system, that we need to replace the broken, as they would say, I don't don't agree with this, by the way, but the broken system of capitalism with something that's fairer and more just and so forth, That is the rhetoric. Go back and check. That is the type of rhetoric that always precedes these movements into big government, even including communism. Um, Less freedom, more government. Less prosperity, more misery. Every time. Every time the people are hypnotized into believing that the government is going to come out, summon, uh, come in and solve all of these problems, create a utopia, but it fails miserably every time. And there is carnage in its wake, absolute, unmistakable, undeniable carnage. And I've got to take a break really long in this segment. Continue this discussion. When we get back, sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. 
I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So, by the way, program brought to you in part by our friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. We are quickly approaching, quickly approaching the dog days of summer. Dog days of summer. It gets hot here in central Indiana. You might be worried about your air conditioning unit being able to keep up with extreme heat which we will have at times over the summer. Surprisingly, it's the way that that works. But if you're worried about your system keeping up, consider reaching out to our friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. Be sure to tell them that Todd sent you. So here's Jin Saki yesterday being asked by, is it Peter Ducey? Um which one's the father? Is it Peter the, the younger? Oz is shaking her head yes. So Peter Ducey at the uh, the, the press briefing yesterday with uh, Jen Saki, he asks her about really reconciling something that the State Department said on Sunday about uh, the people in Cuba protesting their government, I believe. He'll, I'll, I'll play the question. And then how the White House was saying that they're protesting a myriad of things, including lack of access to vaccines. And I want you to listen to this this exchange. Now, she's uh, I want to say she's not 100% wrong here, but they don't want to come out and just say that the reason that there is problems in Cuba is because of its form of government. Because, folks... <laughs> Uh, the, the truth of the matter is these radical leftists, they identify with and agree with the stated purposes, intentions, and the utopian ideals set forth by communism. They just do. There's not – this is undeniable. I'm not, I'm not saying that we are – well, I'm not suggesting that America is run huh, – some of you will disagree with that, but I, I'm saying that they, the, the ideas that are embraced by the radical left are very similar, if not identical, in places, maybe lots of places, um, that, are, that, are, that they agree. The radical left and the communists agree. This is – remember, Black Lives Matter is started by a group of – Trained Marxists. That's what they told us. They told us in their own words. <clears throat> that's who That's who they are. That's who Patrice Cullors, one of the founders of Black Lives Matters, is. And that's one of the other, at least two of the three, are self-described uh, trained Marxists. Anyway, so she's not wrong in saying there's a myriad of reasons or problems that people have, but meaning they don't have access to food, the economy's terrible, whatever – but the reason those things are all true is because they have a broken system. She doesn't want to say that. She doesn't want to say that the people are living under a heavy-handed government that destroys everything it touches and that obliterates or attempts to obliterate any God-given freedom that the people of Cuba or wherever people live under the heavy hand of communism live. 
Here's this exchange. I want you to listen to this. And on Cuba, you're talking today about how some of these protests are inspired by people exhausted with the government. Why is it that yesterday the State Department was saying that this was all happening uh, out of concern about rising COVID cases? Well, I would say first that the protests were just happening yesterday. We're still assessing uh, what is motivating and, of course, and driving all of the individuals who came to the streets. But we know that when I, we say exhaustion, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the manner by which the people of Cuba are governed, that can cover a range of issues, whether it's uh, economic suppression, media suppression, lack of uh, access to health and medical supplies, including vaccines. There are a range of reasons and, and voices we're hearing from people on the ground who are protesting. So when these protesters are yelling freedom and enough, there are people within the administration who think they're saying freedom from rising COVID cases. Again, I would say that when people are out there in the streets protesting and complaining about the lack of access to uh, economic uh, prosperity, to the medical supplies they need, to a life they deserve to live, uh, that can take on a range of meetings. There's a global pandemic right now. Most people in that country don't have access to vaccines. That certainly is something we'd love to help with. So there you go. Now, I had that flipped. I said that the State Department said and they were protesting, you know, trying to, to get more freedom. And the administration said it was COVID cases. It was actually the State Department said an increase in COVID cases was what the protesters were protesting. I had it flipped. But the point is, is that this is, this is about freedom. And it's about, I mean, there are obviously consequences. There's, there's practical reasons there's practical reasons that our system works better in America than what we see in communist Cuba or communist anywhere. Um, but there's also just that yearning of the human heart for freedom. And at some point, enough is enough. By the way, I should add here, I started to reference this earlier. Bear with me. But I was reading here, this is in, the I think, the Miami Herald I believe that's where I was reading this. Actually, it could have been. You know what? It could have been. CNN may have stumbled into some journalism here. I think it is. I think C- <laughs> I think CNN may have stumbled into some journalism here. But they're talking, they said here, many chanted freedom at these rallies, at these protests, and called for President Miguel Diaz-Canel to step down. Of course, it's not a Castro, but Castro's had run... Uh, run that nation since, what, the mid-'70s. Raul and, of course, his predecessor, Fidel, the evil, brutal dictators. Brutal, evil, unbelievable. This is, a, this is created. This, this benevolent dictator junk creates this opportunity for brutal dictator regimes to exist, and that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with in Cuba. And... The president down there is calling, uh, basically calling on his supporters to get out there and get violent. Sounds like uh, Michelle Obama tell, <laughs> telling folks when they bring a knife, you bring a gun. Fact is, I was listening to Jen Psaki. I was reminded of the way she was kind of explaining these protests. It reminded me of, of Susan Rice when she was explaining away, so trying to explain away the mess the tragedy at Benghazi 
well, this was a spontaneous pro. Remember that spontaneous protest? And no, it wasn't organized. And this was just a bunch of people walking down the street, got ticked off, and they had to start throwing rocks at the uh, embassy or whatever it was, the the, the premises there in, in Benghazi. It's so much easier just to tell the truth. It's so much easier just to admit what actually was happening. And in Cuba, what's happening is that people are oppressed by their government. They want freedom. They don't like the other things that come along with an oppressive government. Bad economy, no jobs, all the cars on the streets are from the 1950s, whatever. They don't like all this stuff. They don't like food shortages. They probably don't, they probably don't like they want to get a vaccine to be able to get a vaccine. But this all stems from their desire to live free. To not be under the heavy hand of the likes of the Castros and now this uh, this latest joker, newer president in Cuba, Miguel Diaz-Canel. Quick timeout. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, something came to I was reading something else during the break, but something else came to mind. Have you have you seen, I, I was watching the end of, what was I watching? Something on Fox really briefly last night when I sat down. And I saw Eric Swalwell out there getting his picture taken shirtless on the back of a camel. Have you seen this? And actually remind, <laughs> reminded me of my all-time favorite nickname. You guys remember, for those of you that have listened to this program from the beginning, we had uh, we had a candidate run against Hillary uh, in 2016. 2016, Martin O'Malley, former what governor of Maryland, I believe, he had like two percent in the polls, or maybe one percent, some such thing. Hillary was out there. Remember, it was four old white guys in a Clinton running for president from the party of diversity, the party that tells us about the need for, you know, just everybody to look different and so forth. Four old white guys in a Clinton ran in 2016. And one of those folks, again, Martin O'Malley, um, was out there not doing well in the polls. So he shows up at a beach one day shirtless and got some buzz on social media. I think it bumped him up to maybe like 3% which is basically like a 50%, maybe maybe a doubling uh, increase, doubling or 50 to 100% increase in what he was normally getting. And that, of course, inspired me to start calling him sexy, sexy, sexy Martin O'Malley. That's all the guy apparently had, had to offer on the political scene, pop himself out there on the beach shirtless. Anyway, Eric Swalwell is out there doing that on the back of camels and Cutter or somewhere, Dubai, I don't remember where he was, one of those places over there in the, in the Middle East where he was shirtless on the back of a camel. But this is, look, we talk about communism today, and I, you know, that that's something I thought of during the break, but this is, you combine these two things, you combine this this concept of the superficial so that people are not really aware of what a particular candidate thinks or believes, 
He, this person's cool, man. You see, I mean, it reminds me of, of Obama's campaign back in 2008. I literally heard people say they were voting for Obama because he was in favor of a college football playoff. This was back before the college football playoffs were a thing. People talking about Obama's jump shot. I remember they interviewed people that went to school with Obama. One former classmate of Obama's said that she thought that he would be a professional basketball player. She thought he was going to end up in the NBA. I mean, the, the, the odds of that, being an NBA player, but that's what she presumed. But I mean, I guess she was just convinced. I knew he was going to be something. I thought he would be an NBA player. Look at the jump shot. Look at how he, he sounds so cool when he speaks, all that kind of stuff. People just get behind it. And add to that that he was going to be America's first black president. I remember remember distinctively talking with folks who were, you know, hey, who told me, hey, I don't want to vote against this guy because, you know, because he's black. And I said, well, don't. Don't vote for him because he's black or because don't vote against him because he's black. How about you vote on what he is actually out there standing for and saying that he wants to do? It's why, by the way, the late, great Rush Limbaugh, when he was asked to write, I think it was 400 or some some number of words um, in a column by, I don't know, the Wall Street Journal or somebody, maybe, maybe it was even a liberal publication, what his hopes for President Obama were after winning the election. Rush said, I don't need 400 words. I need four. I hope he fails. And this, of course, drew people, oh, my goodness, how could you want this to happen to this guy? He's just trying to help America. He's trying to, he's the country's first black president. Is this racist? And all this, do you know how this goes? But Rush says, no, if, if, he, if he achieves what he's telling us he wants to do, I hope he fails, folks. I hope he fails, and I know exactly what I mean. Rush, of course, could explain that better than anybody. But when you combine these two things, when you combine the fact that maybe three things, that America or freedom is an idea, and that this the great prosperity and this great nation that we have is the result of an idea, and then you combine that with the fact that people don't even know the ideas and the preferences and the policies of people that they vote for because they think they look cool shirtless on the back of camels or whatever the heck is going on there or because they have a good jump shot or because people pass out when they speak or because they're a certain gender, a certain race, whatever, right? If you factor that stuff in and then you look at the dangers of the idea of the antithesis of the American way, which is by definition communism, and you throw that all into those ingredients into the cauldron and start mixing this stuff up. And we wonder why we're now having politicians who literally, quite literally, sound like they should be buddies. And they are buddies in some cases with these radicals, these communist dictators around the world. When you can't, when you, when you pull quotes out of, uh, you know, statements at each that American politicians have made and dictators around the world, and you literally don't know who said it, we have a problem. We have a massive problem. We need to stand up and be on the side of liberty. We need to stand up and be on the side of the Cuban people, and not just the Cuban people, anyone around the world who is facing tyranny, a lack of freedom. America is the beacon of hope. It is. It truly is. Look at who, if these protesters are carrying flags of nations around the world in these protests, whose flag are they carrying? Whose is it? 
Is it not the U.S. flag? I saw a picture of it today happening around the world. Iran, I think in Cuba, Venezuela, other places, that represents freedom. And yet we have athletes who won't look at it, won't stand up for it, burn it, spit on it, whatever. What a joke. I tell you, if for the people who have experienced real real tyranny, they know what that flag stands for. They know what that flag stands for, what America stands for, and I've got to take a break. Oz has about had it with me here. Quick, t- quick time out back here in just a minute. my friends just have a little bit of time here because i've been long in both of well not both and in, in recent segments here but look i first of all i says to me sound a little fired up today look conservative not bitter doesn't mean you don't get fired up conservative not bitter means that you don't give up on your country you don't throw in the towel when it looks maybe hopeless to some i'm never hopeless I'm hopeless when it comes to some of these people actually waking up and pulling their heads out. But that's a different story altogether. I'm not hopeless when it comes to the American people. I'm not hopeless when it comes to promoting the ideas of freedom and liberty because I know as a fact, I know that these ideas speak directly to the heart of every person that hears them. They know it deep in their soul that freedom is a good thing. Freedom is good for them. Freedom comes from Almighty God. And we need to stand with the Cuban people and others facing tyranny and communism around this world. All that separates us from that is an idea, my friends. Quick time out. Back here in just a minute. I didn't even have time, didn't give myself time, I should say, to talk about to talk about this last thing, which I'm just going to mention because the time is up. Biden regime to monitor private communications calls on SMS carriers to, quote, dispel misinformation about vaccines that is sent over social media and text messages. That's right. Biden, the Biden administration is going to shut down your texts about vaccines next. Incredible times we live in. I've got to go. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care. As a little-